welcome into the program Jeff Tarpley from Gigam247.com. Jeff, good afternoon. How are you, my friend? Great, guys. How are you all doing? Doing terrific. Hey, Aggies obviously are playing very good football right now. In, in your opinion, it, with as well as they're playing, is there still an area where you would like to see them get a little better? I think the one. I think there's kind of a couple of causes for concern. One is the fact that we still don't know about them as deep defending their, 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 the back end of the defense in terms of deep balls when other people get a little time to throw the football. They haven't really been challenged in that regard the last couple of games. And even Florida tends to throw lots of crossing routes and, and seam routes and uh, generate you know, chunk games after the catch. Uh, the only other thing is that A&M's receiving core has been decimated by injury. They lost a couple of tie-ins to injury. So your passing game is functional when Kellen Mond is playing with confidence when he's decisive like what you saw against Florida at Arkansas. With the addition of Hezekiah Jones coming back after a long layoff due to injury, we'll see if he makes a difference. He certainly had a nice debut the other night, but A&M needs more from him going down the stretch of the season. You mentioned Kellen Mond, and, and I, I find it kind of ironic that early in this season there was there was really some some questions about Kellen and you know his ability to, to lead that football team. But right now, the last couple of weeks, this guy is really playing solid football. There had always been a discrepancy between how Mon played on the road and how he played at home, and everybody kind of learned to accept that. I think the biggest problem was that he had a stretch of about four or five games dating back to last season where he had a couple of home appearances that weren't quite up to snuff either. One of them was against South Carolina last year. The uh, most recent one was against Vanderbilt. Since then, he started playing like you would expect a veteran quarterback with a ton of starts under his belt to play. His mechanics are there. His footwork is there. His reads are there. He's taking off with the ball when he needs to. He's being a great distributor. Most of all, he's getting A&M in the right plays and protections pre-snap to make plays a post-snap success. So not he's more of what everyone thought he would be as he's progressed, especially playing at home. And he's been okay on the, you know, he, he was okay on the road at Mississippi State. Again, the, and that's not all on him because, again, the receiving core, you know, A&M's down three starters from, from last year. Uh, they're down multiple guys this season due to opt-outs and injuries. So, as a result, he's kind of had to carry the load in the passing game a little bit more than everybody expected but he's been very very good and given the quality of the receiving core he's probably even exceeded expectations it's just that expectations coming into this last year were pretty high for him Jeff let me ask you this uh, I know that Tommy Robinson was hired as a running back coach in there and I, I coached with Tommy with the Cowboys obviously we know his history we know what he did at, uh, at USC we've seen what he did last year with, with, with a heck of a back at LSU. Do you think he's starting to put kind of his stamp and his kind of tough running mentality, tough coaching style, you know, on these running backs and, and in that running back meeting room? The most interesting thing is when you watch A&M's backs, they're all very, very physical runners. 
and the freshman Devin Achain and the sophomore Anaya Smith, those are not the biggest guys in the world. And yet they run with lean, they run with pad level, and when they make contact, uh, it takes more than just a glancing blow to dig those guys down. And that's one thing to say about Isaiah Spiller, who is one of the best backs in the SEC, if not the best back at it, when you measure yards after contact. But for those guys to fall also into that category where, hey, it's going to take more than just you know an arm to bring them down, that's a tribute to the offensive line for providing the openings for them. It's a tribute to Kellen Mond for getting them into the type of plays that get them a little bit more space than maybe a less experienced quarterback would. And ultimately, it's to the backs and to the running back coach who's not only had an influence on the running style, but also when you watch A&M and the variations on how, how they're reading their zone blocks as your spiller is much, much better at that this season. He's able to bend things back over the middle. Uh, the other night against Arkansas, he did a great job of bending back toward the middle and then cutting back on the backside block from the tight end and the offensive tackle when A&M was in two tight end sets. That goes back to coaching, and yes, that's probably as big of a factor as Robinson's had on this backfield as anyone else. You mentioned Anaya Smith. How do you think, will, or will Jimbo Fisher try to utilize him more in the passing game against South Carolina? The passing game's kind of an interesting animal for A&M because given the injuries they've had at receiver, uh, you know, especially they're now missing Caleb Chapman, who took one game to emerge as a deep threat and then went on the shelf, unfortunately. I think A&M would like to be able to get some of those favorable matches, matchups that they got in the Alabama game, but Smith was lined up more as a running back in that game, much more likely to see a linebacker or a safety on him as opposed to a dedicated nickel who's probably a better guy in coverage. So I think Fisher's happy where they are right now with Smith, getting him about five to ten touches a game in the running game as a backup running back, and also maybe five catches a game not just out of the backfield when he's in there as a running back, but also as a slot. I think what he'd really like to see is A&M be able to get the ball down the field more, but that may take some time. And again, you know, A&M's got to start getting more and more out of Hezekiah Jones, who's still kind of working his way back from injury. If Jones comes through as, as, as more of a deep threat or if he can free up Chase Lane on the other side to do that, if they can continue to work Jalen Wattemeyer on seam routes, I think those are the guys that will make eventually make bigger noise in the passing game. So do you think right now, I know they got to win out, but does A&M have a legit chance to actually make their way into the college football playoff? Oh, I definitely think it's legit. You look at the rest of the schedule, it's very, very nicely. Uh, they should be no worse than 8-1 going into the last game of the season against Auburn. Auburn plays Alabama the week before. Could be a, you know, Auburn's never the same after they play Alabama one way or the other. So, you know, if A&M can go on the road and if they can leave a lasting impression on the committee with a solid win, and, you know, Auburn's probably going to finish, be going six and three going to that game, should be ranked because I think they, uh, I think they're in a pretty good position to win out until that point, too. That should score some points with the committee. It's their last impression of A&M. And then A&M doesn't have to play a conference title game, or at least we 
don't think they will, given the dom- dominance of Alabama coming out of the West. So from A&M's perspective, that last look is very, very important. And if nobody else shows up at the same level as A&M in their conference title games, then you start getting the committee gravitating toward, well, who's that fourth best team? Is it Georgia? Well, they make the SEC title game and they get beat again. You know, they're going to have to play much better than they did first time around this ball game. What if it's Florida? Well, A&M's already beaten Florida. You know, no, you know Notre Dame, maybe, if they, if they struggle with Clemson, they've got a couple of losses. You really don't expect the, the Big 12 to supply a team to the playoff now. It's unlikely that the Pac-12 is going to be able to do so. So, yeah, it's kind of setting up very, very nicely for A&M, isn't it? When, when, you, look at, uh, when you look at the Aggie defense uh, in, in this matchup with South Carolina, obviously South Carolina with a very good running game, that's, that's, is that the focus for Jimbo's defense on Saturday night? The funny thing is, I've changed some questions today with uh, our South Carolina side. And they said, hey, look, South Carolina's kind of changed up offenses. How does that give A&M's defense problems? I said, actually, it works into A&M's favor. Because what Mike Elko wants to do is get eight in the box and play cover three behind that. Uh, he wants to roll down a safety like Leon O'Neill or Damani Richardson, get them almost as an extra linebacker versus the run. South Carolina, what do they like to do? They've been more of a downhill running team this year, more two tight end sets, more high formation. While that has benefited South Carolina in terms of the fact that they're able to run the ball a little bit better, uh, go play action off of that, maybe protect Colin Hill a little bit better. Nonetheless, it plays right into the strength of an A&M front that's got a couple of 320, 330-pound tackles. 280 to 270-pound defensive ends, a couple of 240-pound linebackers, and, of course, Richardson and O'Neal patrolling the safeties. And even A&M's corners have pretty decent size. Devin Morris at the nickel is about 205 pounds. He's kind of safety size. So, again, that plays an A&M strength. I think Mike Elko is looking forward to this matchup as opposed to somebody going four wides and trying to throw the football. Jeff, do you think the Aggies have, or do you, what do you like? Do you like the Aggies' chances of landing uh, Bryce Foster from Katie Taylor? I do. I think this is a kid that's watching A and M. He understands that this is going to be a very good football program from here on out. So he's he would be going to play for a winner. Let's keep something else in mind too. A and M is projected to lose four starters off that offensive line. They've got four seniors, so. You're talking about a five-star guy, five-star caliber guy mm-hmm. who could pull a Kenyon Green, who's the only sophomore, non-senior starting on A&M's offensive line. As you, he could pull a Kenyon Green, walk right in and be a day one starter. Now that isn't always what you want in terms of how well your offensive line works together, because as we saw last year, the younger parts didn't always mesh with the older parts due to a lack of experience. But nonetheless. He could come in, he could play right away at A&M, and he could get that type of, like, if you're wanting to sell him on, hey, come in, start, get drafted, uh, start as a freshman, play three years, and be on a very successful high-profile program, and then you're out of there. And maybe that's maybe the, that combination of things is something that he's going to find very, very appealing when he finally makes his decision. 
Hey, Jeff, man, we uh, we appreciate your time and we appreciate the insight on the uh, on the A and M South Carolina game. We appreciate it and thanks so much. And we'll talk to you again next week. Guys, thanks so much for your time. Appreciate y'all. That's uh, Jeff Tarpley from Giggum247.com.